Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. And it is the 69th National Day of Prayer, observed every first Thursday in May. The Southern Baptist Convention is calling on Americans to join in a nationwide remote prayer gathering for spiritual awakening and revival and to pray specifically for seven centers of influence. Now, we've done this now for years. Well, as the theme of the National Day of Prayer is Pray God's Glory Across the Earth, they're urging Christians to pray for God's glory into the seven centers of influence that includes government, the military, media and arts, business, education, church, and family. And certainly there are no shortages of things to pray for during this season as government grapples with uh, this pandemic, as the military is uh, in trying to maintain its vigilance while at the same time protect the health and safety of members of the military. As the media and the arts are interpreting these events for good or for ill, accurately or not, as businesses are waxing and waning, some losing their businesses, others desperately trying to hold on to their business, education is now being conducted in the home. The church is not meeting for the most part with a very few exceptions as a congregation, but uh, meeting remotely. And of course, the family that's feeling and bearing the weight of all of this. These are the seven centers of influence that we are called upon to pray. And in this season in particular, I think, again, there's no uh, no lack in terms of what to pray for. Um, we are the prayer guide that comes along with the National prayer, uh, Day of Prayer says this, pray for wisdom for the federal, state and local officials in all matters related to COVID-19 and the major national and global challenges they address daily. Pray that God will work in them and through them. Uh, ask God for a great spiritual awakening in the United States. Again, quoting from the National Day of Prayer, Prayer Guide. Well, due to the corona uh, pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, Christian leaders are gathering remotely to observe this day of prayer. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention President J.D. Greer uh, was going to lead an online National Day of Prayer and Fasting event this afternoon. The gathering will be streamed live in several places um, And there's also another prayer event on Wednesday that took place the day before the National Day of Prayer. Well, on the actual day, there is an event at the Billy Graham uh, Library that's taking place five o'clock Pacific time that you can also be a a participant in. An interesting observance. I know lots of people would have been meeting under the flagpoles of city council buildings and on the steps of state capitals in their churches and so on. But that simply is not the case. This time around. But this evening, five o'clock Pacific time, there's an opportunity to gather with other believers from all across the the, uh, United States to pause for prayer and to hear from those who are calling us to prayer and leading us in that effort. As has been the case for many years, I would venture to say as long as the National Day of Prayer has been an observance, this being the 69th year, there's been a presidential proclamation and this year is no exception. President Trump wrote on this National Day of Prayer, Americans reaffirm that prayer guides and strengthens our nation, and we express with humility and gratitude our firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. 
As one nation under God, we share a legacy of faith that sustains and inspires us and a heritage of religious liberty. Today, we join together and lift up our hearts, remembering the words of 1 John 5:14 that tell us when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It goes on, from our earliest days, our dependence upon God has brought us to seek his divine counsel and unfailing wisdom. Our leaders have often encouraged their fellow citizens to seek wisdom from God and have recognized God's power to lead our nation ahead of to brighter days. When the prospect of our independence seemed bleak, General George Washington proclaimed a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, humbly to supplicate the mercy of Almighty God. Following the devastating destruction of the Civil War, President Lincoln delivered his second inaugural address and invoked the power of prayer to bind up the nation's wounds. And more than 100 years later, President Reagan noting, noted rather our long reliance on prayer throughout our history, writing that through the storms of revolution, civil war, and the great world wars, as well as during times of disillusionment and disarray, the nation has turned to God in prayer for deliverance. Today, as uh, much as ever, our prayer, prayerful tradition continues as our nation combats the coronavirus. During the past weeks and months, our heads have bowed at places outside of our typical houses of worship, whispering in silent gratitude for God to renew our spirit and carry us through unforeseen and seemingly unbearable hardships. Even though we have been unable to gather together in fellowship with our church families, we are still connected through prayer and the calming reassurance that God will lead us through life's many valleys. In the midst of these trying and unprecedented times, we are reminded that just as those before us turn to God in their darkest hours, so must we seek his wisdom, strength, and healing hand. We pray that he comforts those who have lost loved ones, heals those who are sick, strengthens those on the front lines and reassures all Americans that through trust in him, we can overcome all obstacles. May we never forget that prayer guides and empowers our nation and that all things are possible with God. In times of prosperity, strife, peace, and war, Americans lean on his infinite love, his grace and understanding. Today on this National Day of Prayer, let and pray to the Almighty that through overcoming this coronavirus pandemic, we develop even greater faith in his divine providence. In 1988, Congress, by Public Law 100-307, as amended, called on the president to issue each year a proclamation de designating the first Thursday in May as the National Day of Prayer, on which the people of the United States may turn to God in prayer and meditation at churches, in groups, and as individuals. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, do hereby proclaim May 7, 2020, as a National Day of Prayer. I encourage all Americans to observe this day, reflecting on the blessings of our nation as received and the importance of prayer with appropriate programs, ceremonies, and activities in their houses of worship, communities, and places of work, schools, and homes, consistent with the White House's guides, guidelines for opening up America again. In witness thereof, I have hereunto set my hand this sixth day of May in the year of our Lord, 2020, and of the independence of the United States of America in the 244th in the uh, year. So once again, the president has issued a proclamation designating this as the National Day of Prayer. We'll talk more about that later in the program.
By the way, we're going to be talking with the general manager of KPDQ and the Salem Media Group, which includes five radio stations in our community, Dennis Hayes. He's also associate pastor and worship pastor at Hillside Christian Fellowship. We'll talk with him about the challenges of managing five stations remotely broadcasting from all over the uh, the Portland metro area and the challenge of leading a congregation under this very unique set of circumstances. We'll also talk with Bill McLeod. He is executive director of Mission Connection. A prayer connection is coming up this weekend. We'll talk with him about that, but we'll talk most generally about the power and meaning of prayer. We'll also uh, talk with Samuel Hakim, who is president of Redeeming the Nation's Ministries. He's recovering from major surgery during a pandemic. We'll talk about how he's doing, as well as how the pandemic has impacted his international ministry and what he can tell us about how it's impacting those to whom they minister primarily in the Middle East and Africa, but elsewhere as well. So Samuel Hakim will also join us on this National Day of Prayer. Taking a look at some of the day's headlines, uh, top law enforcement and intelligence officials affirmed they found no evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia during the 2016 election. Senior administration and intelligence community officials um, uh, confirmed today, citing transcripts of House Intelligence Committee interviews that had been cleared for release. This would align with the results of former special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation, which found no evidence of illegal or criminal coordination between President Trump, the Trump campaign and Russia in 2016. However, numerous transcribed interviews could raise further questions about the committee chairman, Adam Schiff, his past statement saying that there was direct evidence of collusion. Schiff is in a panic mode, one senior administration official told Fox News. Other related developments, the Department of Justice released long-awaited Mueller scope memos revealing the probe went beyond previously known mandate. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that very shortly. The attorney for the Dallas salon owner who was sentenced to seven days in jail Tuesday for violating the coronavirus business shutdown order slammed the case judge Wednesday and said he wanted her to bend the knee in contrition. Warren Norred told Tucker Carlson tonight on Wednesday that Dallas County Judge Eric Moy sentenced Shelley Luther to jail time for the actual crime of heresy against the city of Dallas and the oligarchy that decided real criminals could be let out of jail, but the heretics could go to jail. Moyer offered Luther the chance to avoid jail time by apologizing for being selfish, paying a fine and keeping her salon shut until Friday, just days later, when all salons in the state can reopen with restrictions. Luther declined, telling Moy that if you think the law is more important uh, than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. By the way, the judge has now released her. We'll tell you more about that later in the program as well. And also a Texas attorney general is telling the judge to free the unjustly jailed salon owner, which he later did. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, no one should forfeit their liberty and be sent to jail for not wearing a mask. We'll talk more about that and much more when we return. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on this National Day of Prayer. We're taking a look at some of the day's news. Later, we'll talk with Dennis Hayes, general manager of the Salem Media Group that includes this radio station. He's also an associate pastor and worship leader at uh, Hillside Christian Fellowship. We'll talk about the challenge of managing five radio stations remotely broadcasting all around the Portland metro area, as well as the challenges of leading a congregation. We'll talk with Bill McLeod, executive director of Mission Connection, and Sam Samuel Hakim, president of Redeeming the Nations Ministries. He's recovering from major surgery during this pandemic. And we'll talk about how the pandemic is impacting the ministry abroad. 
About two-thirds of New York State's new coronavirus patients had been sheltering in place at home before seeking medical attention in hospitals, Governor Andrew Cuomo said on Wednesday, calling the data shocking. If you notice, 18% of the people came from nursing homes, less than 1% came from jail or prison, 2% came from the homeless population, 2% from other congregate facilities, but 66% of the people were at home, which is shocking to us, the governor's, or the mayor said, uh, during the uh, daily COVID-19 briefing. Well, the data was taken from a three-day survey of 113 New York hospitals covering more than 1,200 patients, according to Cuomo. Other related developments, Samaritan's Purse, uh, other words, Workers who came to New York for coronavirus uh, to help fight have to pay the state's income taxes, according to the governor. And how Cuomo's special effort for nursing homes exacerbated the coronavirus cases is now in the headline news. Michigan Governor Whitmer has sued the GOP lawmakers for extending the coronavirus state of emergency. So the battle continues, not just with the virus, but with politicians overseeing decision making. Well, former Vice President uh, Biden uh, vows to reverse Betsy DeVos' restoration of due process on college campuses, saying it's wrong and it will be put to a quick end in January of 2021 because as president, I'll be right where I always have been throughout my career, on the side of survivors who deserve to have their voices heard, their claims taken seriously and investigated, and their rights upheld. Daniel Harsinyi points out it would certainly be helpful if Democrats who are denouncing DeVos's campus sexual assault policies would explain which rules they object to and why. And uh, are they um, opposed to schools allowing hearings in which lawyers and advocates from both sides can be uh, asked questions and answer them? Are they opposed to the accused having access to evidence related to the charges filed against them, sans medical records? Uh, David French also points out, first, it's stunning for him to propose this when he's asking us to give him the benefit of the doubt on a sex assault uh, claim that could easily get him expelled under the Obama administration rules. Second, multiple courts have already rejected Obama-era due process. He can't go back. Rich Lowry um, weighs in as well. Maybe he doesn't believe in due process, but a little self-awareness would be nice. A White House press secretary has turned the tables on the media after being asked, um, would you like to take back a long statement on the coronavirus, Kaylee McNick? McCainy uh, replied with a slew of big media stories with before we knew better uh, takes on the virus with the inquiry. Would they want to take back the many statements they've made? Then she smiles and walks off the stage. Video is on Twitter. Meanwhile, Victor Davis Hansen explains why much of the information we're getting is flawed, contradictory and changing. It's difficult to know what to believe during this pandemic. Well, California's governor is, uh, says that things are not going back to normal until there is a vaccine. Enjoying his newfound emergency powers, Governor Gavin Newsom said, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not going back to normal. It's a new normal with adaptations and modifications until we get to immunity and a vaccine. Meanwhile, in Michigan, a barber is defying the governor to uh, open his shop. The 77-year-old man was fined $1,000. Church choirs are an obvious concern as states begin to open up and they're being addressed in all of this. As well, a lot of aspirating during a choir rehearsal. Well, the Israeli Supreme Court has cleared the way for Netanyahu to form a new government. Israel's Supreme Court ruled on Wednesday that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu may form a new government while under indictment for corruption charges, clearing the way for him and his rival turned uneasy ally to join together in a controversial power sharing deal. We'll see how that works out. And Kevin Spacey compares losing work for sexual abuse to losing work over coronavirus. 
He said, I do have empathy for what it feels like to suddenly be told that you can't go back to work or that you might lose your job and that it's a situation that you have absolutely no control over. But unlike the millions who lost their jobs, Spacey had uh, uh, did have control over the actions that led to his firing, just for clarity's sake. CBS News is accused of staging a long line at a Michigan coronavirus testing site, and Project Veritas got video of the event. Apparently, CBS News wanted to show a long line, and when none materialized, got employees to get in their cars and form one. It's hard to know what's true these days. A new poll says half of men say that they do homeschooling. Three percent of women agree. The New York Times uh, found out once again there is a difference between men and women. Well, on this day in history, 1975, President uh, Gerald Ford formally declared an end to the Vietnam era. In Ho Chi Minh City, formerly Saigon, the Viet Cong celebrate its takeover. 1915, a German U-boat torpedoes and sinks the British liner RMS Lusitania off the southern coast of Ireland, killing 1,198 people, including 128 Americans out of the nearly 2,000 on board. On this day in history, 1939, Germany and Italy announce a military and political alliance known as the Rome-Berlin Axis. And on this day in history, in 1945, Germany signs an unconditional surrender at Allied headquarters in Reims, um, France, ending its role in World War II. Taking a look at the Oregon update for the coronavirus and COVID-19 continues to spread in Oregon and southwest Washington. Um, No uh, new deaths to report today. Oregon's 115 death toll remains, uh, at least as of this reading, at 115. Washington, 870 is their death toll. In the United States, the death toll, 73,566. Worldwide, 264,437. While the Washington County Fair has been canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic, there are too many unknowns related to keeping the community safe right now. The Washington County Fair Board President Gary Seidel says the fair board said it looks forward to bringing the fair back in 2021. And Oregon Governor Kate Brown had a press conference earlier today to discuss new guidelines for the reopening of Oregon. We'll tell you more about that. Uh, a bit later in the uh, in the program. And it's been just uh, over two months since the world changed so much, uh, revisiting uh, some important areas of the pandemic. We'll get into that as well. Portland Public Schools voted to furlough all staff for one day a week through July to save money during the pandemic and then use money from unemployment and the federal bailout to backfill their pay. In other words, they're furloughed for the day, but they're eligible for that $600 Uh, gift, if you will, from the federal government. Nearly 3.2 million U.S. workers applied for unemployment last week, raising the total layoffs since coronavirus struck to 33 million. Oregon's unemployment numbers will be released later in the program. Well, as I mentioned, Governor Brown released a new plan that includes mandatory face coverings for grocery store workers and cancels all large gatherings through at least September. Let me repeat that. Canceling all large gatherings through at least September. Now, this certainly has implications for this radio station as we were looking forward to our second annual Gospel Sing Live. We'll talk with uh, Dennis Hayes, the general manager of KPDQ and our cluster of stations, about the implications of the uh, governor's statements later in the program. But she announced new guidance and a new three-phase plan for uh, counties and businesses as part of her framework to restart public life in Oregon. Some of the highlights of that plan, counties with few or no COVID-19 cases could enter phase one 
on or by uh, the, four, the 15th of May, employees and businesses where social distancing cannot be maintained are required to wear face coverings. Child care facilities and some summer schools and camps can open on the 15th of May with social distancing and other new restrictions in place. And concerts, sporting events and large gatherings will be canceled through at least September and possibly beyond. Well, throughout all three phases, Oregonians will be asked to continue limiting travel, gathering and visitations to nursing homes and hospitals. People will also need to stay home when sick and work from home whenever possible. Last week, the governor announced new contact tracing and COVID-19 testing guidelines. And on Thursday, she announced new policies on wearing face coverings while in public. Meanwhile, the uh, Department of Justice has dropped the case against Michael Flynn in the wake of internal memos released that uh, under, undercut and undermine the case made against him. We'll tell you more about that when we return from the break. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show on the National Day of Prayer. We're going to talk with Dennis Hayes, the general manager of Salem Media Group that includes KPDQ and our sister stations. He's also an associate pastor at Hillside uh, Christian Fellowship. We'll talk with him about the challenges of managing Managing five radio stations who are remotely uh, broadcasting from all over the Portland metro area, and I think maybe even across the border in Vancouver, and leading a congregation. So we'll talk with him about that and much more. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk with Dennis Hayes, general manager of the Salem Media Group that includes this and four other radio stations. He's also a worship leader at Hillside um, Christian Fellowship. We'll talk with him about the challenges of managing all these radio stations who are broadcasting remotely and uh, the challenge of leading a congregation during a pandemic. So that's coming up in our next segment. Well, as I mentioned, the Justice Department on Thursday dropped its case against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn in a stunning development that comes after internal memos were released that raised some pretty serious questions about the nature of the investigation that led to his late 2017 guilty plea of lying to the FBI. Now, the announcement came in a court filing with the department saying it's dropping the case after a considered review of all the facts and circumstances of this case, including newly discovered and disclosed information. The documents were first obtained by the Associated Press. Department of Justice sources confirmed the decision uh, of earlier today. And the Texas Supreme Court today ordered the release of salon owner Shelley Luther, who was jailed for opening in violation of the state's rules, says Governor Greg Abbott issued an executive order retroactively eliminating jail time as a consequence for violating the state's coronavirus restrictions. Again, this is in the state of Texas. Shortly after Abbott's announcement, the Supreme Court of Texas ordered Luther's release. An attorney for Luther, who is with uh, her at jail, said that they uh, don't know the timing yet of when she will be freed, although I think that has now taken place. Throwing Texas and Texans rather in jail who have had their businesses shut down through no fault of their own is nonsensical, and I will not allow it to happen, Abbott said uh, during this press conference. Um, throwing Texans in jail, unacceptable. She has since been released. Well, the Supreme Court unanimously reversed uh, its decision regarding Bridgegate convictions. The Supreme Court on Thursday threw out the federal convictions of former New Jersey officials Bridget Kelly and Bill Baroni, 
who had been charged with fraud for closing lanes on George Washington Bridge under false pretenses for political purposes. The court recognized that the 2013 lane closures, known commonly as Bridgegate, were done as political payback against the mayor of Fort Lee, New Jersey, for not supporting the re-election campaign of then-Governor Chris Christie. The problem, the court pointed out, is that this is not a violation of the federal fraud statutes under which the defendants were charged. And we've recently learned that uh, one of the president's personal valets has tested positive for coronavirus. A member of the U.S. Navy who serves as one of the president's personal valets uh, uh, testing positive, according to CNN, raising concerns about the president's possible exposure to the virus. Is he now required to quarantine for 14 days? Well, the valet... Uh, Valets uh, are members of the elite military unit dedicated to the White House and often work very closely to the president and first family. The president was uh, upset when he was informed on Wednesday that the valet had tested positive, a source uh, told CNN, and the president was subsequently tested again by the White House physician. My understanding is, and we've been told, that he is tested periodically for that purpose. In a statement, the White House confirmed CNN's reporting that one of the president's staffers had tested positive. We were recently notified by the White House, and I'm quoting, a medical unit that a member of the United States military who works on the White House campus has tested positive for coronavirus. Deputy White House Press Secretary Hogan Gidley said in a statement, the president and the vice president have once uh, have since tested negative for the virus and they remain in great health. Valets uh, assist the president and the first family with a variety of personal tasks. They are responsible for the president's food and beverage, uh, beverage not only in the West Wing, but also travel with him when he's on the road or out of the country. Past presidents have relied on them not only for these matters, but also for as confidants. The valets have an inside view to a president's personal life like few others do. And the lack of charges thus far has enraged advocates across the country who have expressed deep frustration with both the shooting of the unarmed man and how the case had been handled. We're talking about the Georgia shooting case that will go to the grand jury as disturbing videos surfaced online. Now, it's frustrating and maddening to me that it took the video for this to go to a grand jury, but at least now it's being properly reviewed and vetted. News around um, Arbery's killing reverberated on Tuesday after a graphic video that appeared to depict the shooting went viral on social media. Lee Merritt, the family's attorney, shared the video on Tuesday afternoon and said Arbery, the victim's family, uh, was forced to watch for the first time online. Mr. Arbery had not committed any crime. There was no reason for these men to believe that they had the right to stop him with weapons or to use deadly force in the furtherance of their unlawful attempted stop. Merritt uh, wrote in a statement, This is murder, and it clearly is just that. By all accounts, Arbery spent much of his uh, spare time running for exercise in the city of Brunswick in Glen County on Georgia's southeast coast. Uh, That was the case on February 23rd when Arbery was spotted jogging through his neighborhood, his neighborhood, by Gregory McMichael, who believed Arbery looked like a suspect in a spate of recent break-ins, according to a police report published in the New York Times. Only one burglary was reported to the Glen County Police Department in the Satilla Shores neighborhood between the 1st of January and the 23rd of February, and it involved a pistol uh, taken from a pickup truck outside of Travis McMichael's home. McMichael, 64, called his son, Travis McMichael, 34. They armed themselves with a handgun and a shotgun, respectively. 
Gregory McMichael told police they chased Arbery in a truck, according to the report. And Gregory McMichael told police that he shouted at him, stop, stop, we want to talk to you, before, according to their statements, they pulled up beside him in their truck. The report suggests a third person may also have been involved in the pursuit. Well, Travis McMichael stepped out of the truck with his shotgun, and that's when Gregory McMichael alleges that Arbery attacked Travis McMichael, and they... Um, and they began fighting over the shotgun. Now, they pointed the gun at this innocent jogger, um, and the video shows when he shot and finally falls to the ground. And no charges were filed. Now, this wasn't a burglary that uh, took place in their home. The burglar was not in their home. They, uh, and in fact, when asked by law enforcement, uh, the response was, well, we saw a black man riding, uh, running down the street, and that was sufficient uh, grounds for them to pursue him. Uh, he was unarmed. He was jogging. He had nothing to do with the uh, weapon that was apparently stolen from one of their vehicles. And now a grand jury uh, is going to hear this case, thankfully. Well, today is the National Day of Prayer, and we are reminded that our nation, for a number of reasons, desperately needs prayer. Uh, a case like this is one out of uh, out of many. I'm not suggesting Anything other than in this case, these two individuals, possibly three, are responsible for the unlawful killing of this jogger. But our nation needs prayer for uh, not only that we would survive um, and and survive in the right way through this pandemic, uh, but through injustices that take place every day across our country under a variety of, of headlines. Um, our prayers do make a difference. And with the uncertainty that we are now facing the injustice and crime and hatred and all of the things that make up elements of our population. Um, it's important to lift our neighbors and our nation in prayer. And we have an opportunity to join with fellow believers and Christian leaders for a time dedicated to prayer this evening from five to 10 in a live stream for the national day of prayer, wherever you are, you can join this virtual event because like so many events these days, it's going to be streamed live from the Billy Graham Library and led by the National Day of Prayer President, Kathy Brenzel and Will Graham. Now, together, they're going to pray that God will be glorified in our nation, our communities, and in our families. And they also are asking him to help us shine the light of Jesus Christ in the midst of this very difficult season that we're in uh, so that people all over the country can experience the love of Jesus and the freedom that we find in him. The uh, scripture that is the theme this year is for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. It's found in Habakkuk, the second chapter, the 14th verse. And you might want to um, revisit that in anticipation and your involvement in the National Day of Prayer. Again, five o'clock p.m. Pacific time this evening. And you can go to nationaldayofprayer.org uh, to log on to that event, nationaldayofprayer.org. Uh, no spaces, no hyphenation, just uh, all of those words together. I know that for many, the National Day of Prayer was an opportunity to gather in churches on the steps of civic buildings and state capitals. That's not a possibility this time around. But the good news is uh, we have access to the throne of grace at any time from any place, and we can bend the knee, we can humble ourselves before a holy God and cry out to him. And we have that opportunity to do that corporately, although physically separate from one another, on this National Day of Prayer. Up next, we're going to talk with Dennis Hayes. He's the general manager of the Salem Media Group and associate pastor at Hillside Christian Fellowship. We'll talk about the challenges he's facing during this pandemic as a pastor and as a general manager of a cluster of radio stations. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. 
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Throughout the day today, which happens to be the National Day of Prayer, I've invited several folks I have a great deal of respect for to join me to talk about the challenges they're facing under this new normal and what role prayer is playing in their ability to, to function, essentially. Dennis Hayes is the general manager of the Salem Media Group, which includes KPDQ and our four sister stations. He's also an associate pastor and worship pastor at Hillside Christian Festival. Fellowship, and I wanted to talk to Dennis about the challenge of managing five stations remotely broadcasting all over the Portland metro area, as well as leading a congregation. Dennis Hayes, welcome. Well, thank you, Georgine. It's good to be here. It's been a while since I've been on the air with you. So um, I thank you for giving me this opportunity today just to share some thoughts. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, you you are the man at the top of the heap when it comes to the cluster of radio stations uh, in the Portland metro area. That includes KPDQ, AM and FM, The Fish, and several other stations as well. How challenging is it for you as the, the leader of all of these stations that are forced by circumstance to broadcast remotely throughout the Portland metro area to manage all of that? Well, Georgine, uh, I'm going to just start by saying Years ago, I always thought it would be such a delight to work from home. And after, oh boy, I think it's three, four weeks, maybe it's longer than that. I've lost track of time that I've been working from home. And now I'm saying, you know, Lord, um, sometimes you pray for things and once you have them, you're not as as grateful. So um, I will be happy when I get back into the office. I will rejoice. I will say that. But... um, we have 98 plus percent, I think it's about that high, of our staff that's working remotely from their homes. You are one of them. All of our personalities are working from home, which does make it a little bit challenging uh, for everyone. Actually, there's the communication. You've got to um, communicate a little bit more often than you normally have. And actually, I'm working more hours than if I was at the office as well. I don't know how many Zoom meetings. I didn't even (laughs) perhaps know what a Zoom meeting was months ago. Actually, I did, but I don't know how many Zoom meetings I'm on each and every day because we have to continually communicate with one another and make sure that everything is um, running smoothly. And I will say that uh, the staff that God has blessed me with, I'm humbled, uh, you guys have done a tremendous job from the sales staff to programming, engineering, um, just all the staff and all of the, the, the traffic department have just come together uh, and uh, have done an excellent job, and I don't think we've missed a beat. So uh, thank God for that. Yeah, Absolutely. I mentioned that you, and let me just say, too, that we are so blessed to have you as the general manager. I think people don't really appreciate what that title means, but you have to oversee every aspect of everything that goes on in these multiple radio stations and so many different individuals and groups who work together in in similar uh, roles and so on. So you have a tremendous uh, amount of responsibility, and I've always admired that you are a man of faith. You recognize that you are ultimately dependent upon God, and there's always a peace about you, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. So I appreciate 
your leadership, and I'm grateful to have you at the helm, not only during this challenging time, but virtually every day. As I mentioned, you're also a, um, an associate pastor at Hillside uh, Christian Fellowship, and so in addition to managing and hurting this collection of cats, <laughs> you're also uh, ministering to people in a, a church congregation. How is that uh, working for you, and uh, can you just explain a little bit about how you guys are handling all of this? You bet, you bet. First of all, I would just say that in the midst of all that's going on, and you you, you hit it that God is in control, mm-hmm. and uh, there is there is a lot of fear that uh, I have seen, even with the the I'm the worship leader at the church, but I do do quite a bit of, of counseling and, and, and teaching as well, and I and I found out when the, the COVID 19 first um, we began to see that it was going to cause us to do things differently there were a lot of there was a lot of fear there was a lot of trepidation and the thing that i think is so important for us as believers is to know and we do know that god is still on the throne yes. and uh he's bigger than the the covid he understands it all and regardless of how much i stress out it's not going to change anything so the best thing to do is just give it to God. Just say, God, in the midst of all this, I know that you're still in control of my finances. I know that you're still in control of my physical life, my spiritual life. So I'm going to trust you in the midst of all that's going on. And uh, so at times you have to encourage. Sometimes you have to just not only encourage, but just say, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. And also just seeing how we're we're doing church differently than we ever have. You know, we have the live stream now that uh, so uh, you have your congregations now that are listening online or YouTube. And uh, if you would have asked me years ago to think that I wouldn't be at church on a Sunday morning, I would have said this is uh, impossible. But um, we're, we're still having church, and the body is still meeting. And as I said earlier, our God is still on the throne, and he understands all that's happening. Yes, absolutely. Now, the governor had a press conference earlier today in which he explained sort of the, the next phase of the decision-making process um, that is directing what's happening here in the state of Oregon. And one of the things she said was that through September, major events, including concerts, would be canceled. And I know for a music radio station, for KPDQ, and for all of the stations in our cluster, that has um, immediate ramifications. Um, We've been anticipating and looking forward to Gospel Sing Live. We've been looking forward to Fish Fest and Reventone and other of the events that we uh, that we host in the uh, in the area. What are the plans now, given this directive from the governor? How does that impact uh, the station's events? Well, that's a good question, um, and I just found out about that uh, just a, mm-hmm. about a half hour ago. So, uh, we first of all, we we're going to do exactly what um, our government, our governor is telling us to do. Uh, we are not going to go against the grain. God has placed our authorities above us, so we need to abide in them as well. As far as Fist Fest, Gospel Sing, and El Reventone. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow, and uh, we will be making uh, decisions and uh, 
by Monday morning is uh, what I'm looking at. But as it looks now, uh, if if you were to say, are we going to continue? Or uh, I would say that those events will probably definitely be postponed unless there's some type of miraculous thing that happens in the next couple of days. Yeah, Sad yeah. to think about that, but um, it's a reality. Uh, but we want safety and we want uh, people not to fear our, uh, so we're going to, we're going to do uh, what our, you know, our, our leaders uh, in government are asking us to do. Mm. Well, I like the use of the word postpone that gives us hope that that in the future, we're going to be able to enjoy those events again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mentioned that t- yeah. that today is the National Day of Prayer, and so our focus is on praying for our nation. And I appreciate the call for all believers everywhere across the fruited plain to humble ourselves in prayer before uh, Almighty God. Uh, can you talk Amen. a little bit about the role that, that prayer has played in your life as a leader, as a husband and father, as a citizen in this country, and as a follower of Christ? Yvette, it is one of the key elements of my life. I can't imagine going hours without communicating to the God, the creator of the universe, who knows me, who knows every circumstance. And um, prayer, I believe, is the critical thing that will even get us out of this um, epidemic that we're in. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, prayer is actually, it's the simplest thing, but uh, just to imagine that we can communicate and talk um, to the God who's created this whole world, and we have that opportunity 24-7, uh, 365 days a, a year. Uh, it's humbling, but um, I spend as much time in the morning, midday, and in the evening in prayer. That's the only way, uh, Georgine, that I can make it as a father, as a general manager, as a worship leader, um, as a citizen of the United States, because um, my hope is in, it's not in what I see around me. Uh, my hope is in the things that I don't see, the things that God has placed in my heart, the things that I know that God is doing and is going to do. And that, by praying, that is, I believe that is the catalyst as people pray it's the catalyst that moves the heart of God to do things that we cannot even imagine. Yeah. So yeah. Um, prayer is, it should be one of the first things we go to in the morning when the sun is coming up and the last thing we go to when the sun is setting. Um, and our God wants to hear us. He wants to hear the cry of our heart. And when we are doing that, things change. Amen. Well, Dennis Hayes, I am so grateful that you are the general manager of the station I work for, and I appreciate your taking the time out of, uh, you know, between Zoom meetings <laughs> to talk with us today. <laughs> You're certainly, you and your family are certainly in my prayers, and I look forward to seeing well, your face you. again. I hope that's soon. You bet. Thank you, Georgine. Lord bless you. You too. Thanks, Dennis. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break for news and traffic. When we return, we'll talk with Bill McLeod, Executive Director of Mission Connection. Prayer Connection, by the way, is this weekend. You might want to check that out. We'll be back in just a few moments. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show, and we're just having conversations with some local luminaries who have um, experienced prayer and the power of prayer in their lives and uh, their areas of influence. Bill McLeod, of course, is the executive director of Mission Connection, and I invited him to talk about how he's navigating this new normal with the pandemic, uh, as well as the Prayer Connection event, which is uh, strategically timed for this Friday and Saturday. So, Bill, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Well, it's great to be back, uh, Georgine. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, first of all, how you're doing in your family or with your family during this uh, sheltering in place. How has that impacted you? You know, I've got to say that this has been actually a, um, a wonderful time uh, for for us. Um, it, it's allowed me time to, you know, I spend more time probably every day walking, uh, you know, an hour, a couple hours, uh, thinking more, uh, you know, probably more you know, signal Lord that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we've been able to, in the ministry, been able to make some, uh, take some steps and advance the ministry in ways that I never would have thought possible um, because, you know, we're undistracted and we're down and we're able to get on face-to-face with people on Zoom calls. And and um, so it's actually been quite really an amazing time. I, I feel like it's been a gift from the Lord. And, um so, uh, but it's not, it's just unreal. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously there's parts of me that wants to go back as soon as possible. There's other parts of me that doesn't want it to, to quit. But I know a lot of people are hurting, and I don't want to minimize that at all. But um, for me personally and for Mission Connection, uh, you know, we've not been able to go into the office. It's all from home, uh, you know, and Zoom calls and everything. But it's been, uh, it's been wonderful. Well, that's encouraging to hear because I think God is always doing something behind the scenes that we may not be aware of. He He um, seizes every opportunity that He gives us to deepen our walk with Him and to advance the the uh, uh, the gospel. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to invite you on today is this, of course, being the National Day of Prayer. I was I'm so impressed by the role that prayer plays in Mission Connection and all the satellite events. Prayer Connection being one of them that's coming up this Friday and Saturday the role that prayer plays in decision-making and moving things forward and uh, and putting together this phenomenal event. Can you talk a little bit about the role that prayer plays for you as an executive director and for the ministry in general? Well, it's a little, it's a little humorous to me because, you know, prayer is important to you too, Georgine. And, um, you know, I, I guess part of me feels like, oh, here, we need to talk to you. It'd be like, what do you think about breathing? Like, uh, <laughs> breathing is important to you, isn't it? And, you know, so it's humorous to me. I think for me, the, the vision was so big and, and it was much bigger, uh, you know, mission connection and the vision the Lord gave me back, uh, you know, 20 some years ago to to launch out that it was so big that I, I just have always been like so uh, afraid, you know, the fear of God. You're like, mm-hmm. like, God, like, is it you? What Like the only response we had that I had was, I've got to pray. I've just got to see the Lord because I'm afraid that I might get in the way or that he wouldn't have the glory or, you know, whatever. So from the beginning in our all of our planning meetings, uh, you know, if we have a two-hour planning meeting, we might spend, you know, 45 minutes um, just praying specifically uh, for each other and praying specifically about our events. And, uh, and, and so I don't know. I don't know any other way to do it. I just uh, feel desperate most of the time that... Uh, 
you know, <laughs> this this is only being held together by Jesus. So yeah, like let's get on His page. You know, you know that is such a healthy approach because I I think sometimes because we have experience, we've done something before, we have confidence, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But we always need to be aware of the fact that we uh, we want Him to lead. We don't want to get in the way. We don't want to deprive Him of the glory that He is due. Uh, so we always should yeah. be in that position of utter dependence where I recognize God. I can I can do the mechanics, but unless your Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us, it's just going to be another event. So I, I so appreciate Amen. that refreshing view that recognizes what we should all recognize in every circumstance, that apart from him, we can do stuff, but we can't do anything of any eternal um, import or, or value. So I, I so appreciate about that about you and about uh, Mission Connection. Well, thank you. And I mean, we love it. We love to see Jesus show up. We have real needs that we're always, you know, we don't have a venue for January. We're planning as though we're going to have an event, Mission Connection Northwest, but we have no venue. And uh, and, and so my team knows that I don't have any uh, magic. I mean, when we get together, we pray because these are real needs that only the Lord can answer. And, uh, and, and you know, once you operate that way, you can't go back the other way of kind of faking mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Mission Connection sponsors a number of events throughout the calendar year, and the next is Prayer Connection that is this Friday and Saturday. Now, like every other large event in our community, it's going to be a virtual uh, event um, using Zoom, and I'm so grateful for that technology that makes it possible for us to connect with one another. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Prayer Connection, and I want to make sure our listeners know how they can uh, become a part of this this event that is going to include everything that you have come to expect in the five-year history of Prayer Connection. Well, you know, of course, Dennis, our good friend Dennis Duquay, uh, the head of uh, International Renewal Ministries, is on our board, but he's also in charge of this event. And uh, then James Autry uh, is jumping in there to do the technical side. And of course, James connected with just about every ministry in the city. So we're really blessed to have the A-team uh, in charge of this. And uh, But, you know, my vision for prayer connection started years ago when I thought, gosh, we, we talk about prayer being important, but, you know, how, how can prayer be a, a um, you know, how can we see it as a tool for mobilizing the church for missions? And uh, so that really was the genesis of where uh, the idea for prayer connection came from. And, um, and then, you know, over the years we put us, tremendous team together who really have the vision and the passion to, to, to pull this off. And so uh, Dennis has been uh, tremendous. Uh, we've got other people on the, on the team, uh, Doug Hazen and, and uh, you know, different folks, who, James Autry, uh, really to, to see this uh, go forward so we can help the church gain a vision for prayer that isn't just praying for our, you know, our needs, but how can we advance? How can we advance the gospel throughout the world? So, you know, this year we've got Brian Alvord, who's head of um, America Praise and uh, a good friend of Dennis's. And then, of course, we've got Gail Stockcamp from Mission Increase. Uh, she and her husband, Dale, started Mission Increase some years ago. And I've always been impressed with Gail as being such a prayer uh, person. Uh, I think she's the first woman on the Luis Palau uh, Board of Directors. But beyond that, when she has spoken about you know, how she's organized uh, women throughout the country, uh, the uh, leadership team of women that pray for every continent of the world. And, and I've heard the testimonies of how nothing might be happening in a country. And all of a sudden, within a year, 
there's all kinds of outreach going on. Mm. And I, I thought, boy, we really need to get Gail in there. So um, I'm excited about the, you know, the, the, the lineup for this year. Um, and then we've got, of course, all the workshop uh, people that are coming in to do workshops. It's all going to be virtual, all going to be online. Uh, but you do need to, to uh, register and, uh, and you do need to choose what workshop you'd like to go to. Yeah. Now we're being advised that before registering, you need to have a, a free basic online Zoom account using the same email address that you're going to be using to register for um, uh, um, a prayer connection. So take care of that and then go to missionconnection.com. And on the very front page, you're going to see the link to prayer connection. And it's amazing to me that you've got all the workshops, you've got the keynote speakers and somehow managing to pull all of that together uh, is really quite amazing. Again, we're talking about uh, Friday and Saturday um, from 7 p.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific time online via Zoom. So check that out, missionconnection.com. Uh, dot com. Well, how can we pray for Mission Connection and the satellite events that are coming up? As we know, the governor has limited certain events in our community for quite some time, uh, and we're anticipating that we're going to have the opportunity to meet together in 2021. How can we pray for you as and the board and those who are leading this ministry for the days ahead? Well, thank you. I think, first of all, we need to pray for our local churches because, uh, you know, without the church, and especially without the churches being open, you know, there is no mission connection. <laughs> We're yeah. dependent on, on the churches. And so, uh, you know, my prayer is that we would begin to open up again and uh, that we would begin to get back into uh, worshiping together on Sundays. And then, uh, you know, if there's a time that that can happen, we can begin to assess, uh, you know, how we proceed. And uh, I think there are churches, uh, you know, that, that would like to host us, but you know, they're, they're in a holding pattern. They're just waiting. Yes. So um, I, I would say let's pray that the churches would open, and then let's pray that, uh, you know, decisions could be made out of an urgency for the gospel, not out of, you know, uh, making sure that uh, Bill and the team of Mission Connection are happy, but no, for the urgency of the gospel, for the urgency for prayer, and uh, that, that the, the, you know, that the, the, the movement of God's people um, to the ends of the earth, with those who have never heard, uh, had an opportunity to hear about Jesus, um, that, that, that that would be the motivating force and that this time would renew our, you know, our vision of what our calling is, what the, you know, Jesus' last command for the Great Commission, that that would, you know, that would be something that we would become more uh, committed to um, as a result of this unusual, unprecedented time. So, That's my prayer. Uh, You know, the Lord's been taking care of us, and we appreciate uh, people that continue to pray for Mission Connection, continue to give financially. But, uh, you know, it really is that that the church would be uh, strong and would uh, rise to the occasion that this unprecedented time presents us. Yes, yes. Well, Bill McLeod, I so appreciate your leadership and your friendship. And once again, want to encourage our listeners to go to missionconnection.com for more information about Prayer Connection. There's still time for you to register for Friday and Saturday. Thanks so much, Bill McLeod. Stay safe, and I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Georgine. God bless you, too. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we're going to talk with Samuel Hakim, president of Redeeming the Nation's Ministries. He was recovering from major surgery during the start of this pandemic. We're going to talk with him how the pandemic is impacting the ministry and how he and his family are faring. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. 
is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on this National Day of Prayer. We've been talking with people I have great respect for uh, who see prayer as a major part of their life and ministry work. And I could not uh, have a program like this without talking with my dear friend Samuel Hakim, who is president of Redeeming the Nation's Ministries. At the start of this pandemic, he was recovering from major surgery. And uh, the ministry that he is uh, is the president of is a ministry that requires, obviously, as most ministries and work do, people coming together. So I wanted to get an update on how uh, they're working under these circumstances. Samuel Hakim, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Georgine, for having me. It's always joy and pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Well, let me start by asking you how you and your lovely wife uh, and family are doing during this uh, pandemic that forces us all to shelter in place. We are doing well, praise the Lord. Uh, I start working from home, which uh, I thought was going to be easy, uh, but I found that (laughs) it's... uh, the Lord is opening no more doors that we can ever think of, and we praise the Lord for that. We have to be always ready. So I had days that uh, I get into my office 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't leave until 10 o'clock at night, mm. and it's always joyful to, to serve the Lord. Uh, my daughter, who lives with us at home, she goes to college, but she's doing her work from home. So sometimes we have to fight for my office uh, when <laughs> she has uh, lectures online. But uh, we are doing well, praise the Lord. My wife has to go to work every day. She's in the medical field and uh, she's on the front line. So she goes to work every day. And uh, sometimes she has to see COVID patients. And uh, we are praying for her protection. Yes. Uh, Number one, for her safety. Number two, as you know, that I'm recovering from a big surgery. And my immune system is kind of compromised. Uh, so we are lifting that in prayer and trusting the Lord to shelter us and uh, protect uh, all of us. Yes, I like to refer to it as sheltering in Christ uh, while we're sheltering in place. Well, I wanted to ask you, I know that when this pandemic first hit, you were recovering from major surgery and that recovery is continuing. And whenever you've been through that kind of an event, uh, your immune system lags behind in terms of recovery. So knowing that Marcel is continuing to work in the medical field, that she is exposed to potential connection with COVID-19, we certainly know how um, how to pray. Has that been especially stressful for her? I know she is a woman of faith, and um, but I know in this situation and knowing that she's coming home uh, to you, that, that may produce some stress for her. Uh, well, uh, we are human beings. Uh, yes, we trust the Lord uh, 100%. Uh, we don't have any doubts about that. But the human part of us, of course, uh, once in a while, uh, has to check uh, some valves on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I was thinking about that, uh, the Lord started speaking to me in, uh, in Psalm 91, which is one of the Psalms that has been used heavily since Corona hit. And the first verse in that psalm, who who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Uh, and I, as I was studying that verse, who who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Uh, I came across one of the translations that, uh, I can't remember if it's in Arabic or, uh, I think it was uh, different than Arabic. Could be one of the English translations. And the way they translated 
dwells in the shelter of the Most High, uh, if we understand the tabernacle, it will make more sense to us. The one who dwells in the Holy of Holies, in the Holy of Holies you have the tabernacle and you have the two angels uh, opening their wings to cover over uh, the Ark of the Covenant. So that's the place of rest. If you are in the presence of the Lord, in the Holy of Holies, that's the place of His presence. That's the place of His glory. That's the place of His protection. Where else are you going to be where you can find safety? And if you, have, if you are in that place of the Holy of Holies of the Most High, why you have to worry? Mm. So we surrendered everything to the Lord. We trusted Him. And I pray that many believers will have that peace so we can comfort those who are around us and they need to hear about the peace of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, as you're ministering to people all over the world, are you finding that they too are being impacted by this pandemic? And how is that um, resonating with people that you communicate with? Uh, what is happening with the people that we minister to or outside of America is actually uh, more tragic than what we have in America. Because mm-hmm. uh, we are in America. We have a lot of resources. Yes, uh, Staying at home, closing businesses, uh, sometimes uh, even losing your income, which uh, I personally suffer from that because we stopped all salaries in the ministries until we find a solution for what is going to happen. So we suffer a little bit, but we still have a lot of resources and the Lord is blessing us so much. When you think about people in other places, and I'm dealing with people, honestly, from uh, Muslims and Muslim converts who live in Russia. I'm, I'm going to talk about the last 24 hours. Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Algeria. Uh, I'm sorry, not Algeria, Morocco. The last call I got from Morocco just about half an hour ago. So when you are dealing with those people, number one, they don't have as much resources like we do. Number two, they are persecuted because they are Muslim converts who left Islam and they still live in Muslim countries. Number three, most of them have jobs that uh, they pay them daily wages and if they don't report to their work, they don't have an income. Uh, Can you imagine the combination of all those problems together? Mm. I have nights that uh, the, the Lord woke me up and I cannot go to sleep. Because I'm thinking about certain situation, I know that those people are going to sleep and their kids doesn't have food on the table. Uh, how can we think and fathom the, the depth of the yes. problem you are suffering from in different countries? Uh, on yes. the other side, if you take it on the medical side, we, we know about, we are aware about Corona more than anybody else. Because we have the media, we have medical teams, medical research, researches, testing, and we know how many cases we find every day and how many people die every day. When you go to third world countries, they don't have testing and they don't have good medical system. So a lot of people die from corona and nobody knows. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have the virus, but they are not tested. They don't know and they keep spreading the virus around. So the numbers over there is much bigger than what we have here but is not reported but people are still suffering and they are scared Mm. so impacted yes more than we are globally 
Well, I appreciate you're giving us some perspective and we uh, know how to pray perhaps more effectively for those who are suffering without the tremendous resources that we have. And it might quiet some of our complaints about what we are being deprived of in order that we can protect our neighbor from uh, this pandemic. So I appreciate that very much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd like to talk about how this is impacting uh, the ministry, your ability. I mean, you mentioned already that you're spending hours and hours and hours talking to people from all over the world. Uh, but I'd like to talk about how this is um, this event is impacting the work of the ministry, um, the Redeeming the Nations ministry. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and we will be back in just a few moments. So do stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with Samuel Hakim, president of Redeeming the Nations Ministry, reaching out to Muslim converts all over the world. And I so appreciate your uh, perspective and information on what others are facing during this pandemic. We sometimes get so self-focused, we forget the suffering of others who are whose circumstances are so dramatically different. Let me ask you how your work of ministering the gospel to people uh, in countries where it may not be welcome, um, how that has been impacted by all of this, and are people turning to Christ or uh, are questioning um, God because of of what's happening? Well, a lot of people during a time like this are turning to God, and we thank God for hardship because it gets us closer to the Lord. Yes. It gets us on our knees. And I remember the verse in, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, if my people, that's when Solomon was dedicating the temple that he built for the Lord. Uh, if my people who are called by me humble themselves, repent and pray, I would hear from heaven. So we understand in difficult times that the only place that we can go to is the presence of the Lord. It teaches us humility. But on the other hand, there is a lot of people when bad things hit like Corona, uh, because their heart is hardened, they turn against God. And they see God as the enemy who are bringing them all kinds of calamities, as if he is the source of evil. And instead of seeing the Lord as the source of hell, they look at him as the source of evil. So we have seen both uh, side uh, playing before us. In general, the majority of people, they start thinking about God and they become more spiritually soft and responsive. So we have seen a lot of cases that people didn't think about God before. Now they are turning to God and seeking his face. One of the things that uh, it impacted me greatly in this corona time it gave me a chance to see for the first time a Muslim convert leading a Christian to Christ. And when I say a Christian, because in the Middle East, a lot of people are born in a Christian home. Uh -huh. And they are called by Christian names like Samuel. That's my birth name. So a lot of people know that I'm a Christian. I, I'm born in a Christian family. So your name in the Middle East will tell people what is your religion. So this uh, lady... She is one of my disciples who accepted the Lord a few years back. Uh, she was married to a fanatic Muslim. She is from a very uh, dangerous uh, Muslim family in Egypt from the Muslim Brotherhood. And she watched one of our programs a few years ago, and she accepted the Lord. 
When her family found that she has a Bible, they didn't know yet that she became a Christian. But they found that she has uh, thinking about reading the Bible and searching Christianity. She was beaten badly. She ended up being divorced. She had two little kids. The oldest one was uh, two years old, and the other one was a newborn. And she was in the street with her two kids. God, in his mercy, arranged for her some help to get uh, passports for her and her kids. And she got out of the country. She went to another country uh, close to the Middle East. It's not a Christian country, and it's not a Muslim country. Uh, But anyway, it was safer for her to be there than being in Egypt. And that was a miracle by itself, because in Muslim countries, she cannot leave the country without a permission from the male in authority in her life, let alone the kids. The kids cannot leave the country without a permission, written permission from the father. But somehow the Lord got her out of the country without any documentation to prove that. The new country she went to, she met another Egyptian man who has a Christian name. His name is Henry. And uh, because he is a Christian, he goes to attend the Mass in the Coptic Orthodox Church in that country. She thought that he is a Christian because his name is a Christian name. And he goes to attend the, the Mass in the church. So they got married. She needed some protection in her life to take care of her and her two kids. She got married to him. After we, they got married, she discovered that well, his name is a Christian, but he is as far as possible from the Lord. He doesn't know the Lord. Uh, so ended up cutting the relationship with us, and we didn't hear from her for almost two years. And finally, when Corona hit, I started hearing back from her. And her question was, I know that my husband doesn't know the Lord, and if he dies, he's not going to go to heaven. What shall I do? Through the months of uh, March, we were praying uh, together with her. Because her second question was, I have left the relationship with the Lord for the last two years. You think the Lord will take me back? So I started assuring her that the Lord is waiting for you to come back to the relationship with him. She started going back to prayer and reading the Bible. And we started doing Bible study with her two, three hours every day on the phone. She started getting on her feet and she started praying for her husband who encouraged her to pray for his salvation. And praise the Lord, on March 31st, she was on the phone and her husband was on the phone with her and asked her to share her testimony and what it means to be in a relationship with God. And I looked at him and said, Henry, would you like to have that relationship with God? He said, I would love to. So both of them in that country, far, far away from us, we have about 11 hours time zone difference but they were holding the hands together and he prayed and he accepted the Lord. That's the first place in my life to see a Muslim convert leading a Christian to Christ. Uh, Another one of the situations, we had another uh, lady in Egypt. She accepted the Lord uh, a while ago as well and she got baptized, but uh, because of uh, the family uh, prosecution, she decided to run away to another city far away from her city, still in Egypt, And she was working there and hiding there, and nobody knows where she is. And finally, because everything closed in that city because of corona, she didn't have any other place to go. So she started calling us back, and she started going back to church and connecting with the people who are 
discipling here in Egypt. That's how people are sensitive, and in the hard time, they are looking for the Lord. Praise uh, God. Today, I got uh, somebody from Egypt who's working in my uh, backyard. He's a new arrival to America. He's a new immigrant, uh, doesn't have English, doesn't have uh, a job, and he needed some money to work. So I got him, and he's working. We still have the safe distance between us. And he's working in my backyard, and he started pouring his heart. How much problems he has in his life. And the simple answer that solved all our problems, you need to reconcile with God. You need to reconcile with God. And I think the Lord is going to lead that discussion uh, in the next few days into leading him to the throne of God to acknowledge that he needs a Savior first then the Savior will deal with his problems that he has. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I'm so encouraged to hear that um, God is still working in the hearts of people and that even in the midst of this pandemic, um, people recognize their need for God, their, their need for help, and are open to talking about it in ways that perhaps uh, they haven't been in the past. So I'm encouraged to hear that. Uh, we just have a, a minute left. How can we pray for you and for Marcel as she is continuing to serve on the front lines of this pandemic? Uh, pray for protection for Marcel and for the family. Pray for wisdom on how to handle difficult situations and how to utilize our time. And pray that the Lord will give us wisdom to understand, even after this situation is gone, how can we continue in ministry to minister to the heart of God? Don't waste any more time. We have been playing church. I'm talking about us mm. as a big Christian community. Yes. We have been playing church for a long time. Time is running fast. And uh, we need to come back to the ministry that uh, will please the Lord's heart. Amen. Well, I appreciate that challenge. Samuel Hakeem, thank you so much. And please tell Marcel she's in my prayers. I will. Thank you, Georgine. It's good to hear from you. And please give our love to, to Mr. Rice, too. I will do that. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back to wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Today, of course, is the National Day of Prayer, and we are praying God's glory would be seen across the earth. Today being the official acknowledgement that this singular, exceptional country was birthed in prayer and reverenced in reverence, rather, for God. But for decades, our country has turned its back on God. We've pushed him out of our public square. We believe the lie that our successes and blessings are a result of our own efforts and ingenuity. Well, Jason Yates pointing out that the National Day of Prayer reminds us that we're not in control, but we can trust in God. He writes that now economic uncertainty looms, health and safety are at the forefront of our minds and challenges to our biblical values and fundamental constitutional rights are increasing. This novel coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic reminds us that we are not in control and that we need God's wisdom for our lives and for our nation. We've heard that from our three guests today. Abraham Lincoln, our nation's 16th president, found himself facing a crisis of a similar magnitude during the American Civil War, which to this day remains the bloodiest conflict in U.S. history. On the 30th of March, 1863, at the height of the war, President Lincoln called for a day of national humiliation, fasting and prayer, saying, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. 
We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving, uh, and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Well, nearly 160 years later, President Lincoln's words speak to America again, calling us to come together in prayer. The theme of this year's National Day of Prayer is to pray for God's glory to be displayed across the earth like the prophet Habakkuk proclaimed some thousands of years ago. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Again, Habakkuk, the second chapter, the 14th verse. I hope that millions of Christians who've never participated in the National Day of Prayer will join this year. And I encourage you to invite your friends, your family members, and neighbors to pray with you. And while we may not be able to gather together physically to pray, we can still pray right where we are. And here are some ways that you can participate in the National Day of Prayer. You can watch the One Voice Prayer Movement live event. Uh, you can visit myfaithvotes.org for a free prayer guide that will help you to pray faithfully for your leaders by name. That's myfaithvotes.org. Again, it's a free prayer guide that will help you pray faithfully for your leaders by name. You can contact your elected officials using our online tool at the um, National Day of Prayer uh, website uh, to let them know that you are praying for them, either today or at some point in the future. Second um, Chronicles 7.14 says that if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, what that means in the 21st century, uh, certainly um, one could argue applies only to is Israel in that time frame. But I do believe that the elements that apply today is that when we humble ourselves and seek his face, we turn from our wicked ways, that God will hear from heaven and that he will shine his favor upon us. He will forgive our sin and we pray that he will heal our land. I believe that if we humble ourselves and unite in prayer, God will bring renewal and revival to our nation in this time of great crisis. He has done it before, and we trust that he will do it again. Another way that you can acknowledge the National Day of Prayer is to join the event that's going to air tonight at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, 8 o'clock p.m. to 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. That's a two-hour event. It's an opportunity for you to gather with other believers in this time of prayer. We know that James 5.16 says the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working in this translation. Uh, for this broadcast that's taking place this evening, 5 o'clock p.m. East, uh, Pacific time, rather, Will Graham is going to co-host the uh, event. It features special guests Kathy Branzell, Nick Hall, Michael W. Smith, Robert Morris, Rick Warren, Harry Jackson, Luis Palau, Andrew Palau, Kanita Benson, Billy Wilson, Gabriel Odom, and Greg Steyer. It's an opportunity to do what we cannot do physically in proximity to one another, but we can do uh, by virtue of the technology that's available. Now, you can join this event at uh, 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time at nationaldayofprayer.org, nationaldayofprayer.org. And on the main uh, page, the home page, you uh, will see something. It just says click here to watch, and that will begin at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. This evening. Also, earlier in the program, I shared the presidential proclamation for 2020, and I want to close the program with just that 
uh, for you at the end of today's program on this National Day of Prayer. The president writes, on this National Day of Prayer, Americans reaffirm that prayer guides and strengthens our nation, and we express with humility and gratitude our firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. As one nation under God, we share a legacy of faith that sustains and inspires us and a heritage of religious liberty. Today, we join together and lift up our hearts, remembering the words of 1 John 5.14 that tell us when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I don't know if we can fully appreciate how remarkable that is. The God of the universe, the one who spoke into existence everything that we know, says that when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The proclamation goes on. From our earliest days, our dependence upon God has brought us to seek his divine counsel and unfailing wisdom. Our leaders have often encouraged their fellow citizens to seek wisdom from God and have recognized God's power to lead our nation ahead to brighter days. When the prospects of our independence seemed bleak, General George Washington proclaimed a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, humbly to supplicate um, the mercy of Almighty God. Following the devastating destruction of the Civil War, President Lincoln delivered his second inaugural address and invoked the power of prayer to bind up the nation's wounds. And more than 100 years later, President Reagan noted our long reliance on prayer throughout our history, writing that through the storms of revolution, civil war, and the great world wars, as well as during times of disillusionment and disarray, the nation has turned to God in prayers for deliverance. Today, as much as ever, our prayerful tradition continues as our nation combats the coronavirus. During the past weeks and months, our heads have bowed at places outside of our typical houses of worship, whispering in silent solitude for God to renew our spirit and carry us through unforeseen and seemingly unbearable hardships. Even though we have been unable to gather together in fellowship with our church families, we are still connected through prayer and the calming reassurance that God will lead us through this life, through life's many valleys. In the midst of these trying and unprecedented times, we are reminded that, in, that just as those before us turn to God in their darkest hours, so must we seek his wisdom, strength, and healing hand. We pray that he comforts those who have lost loved ones, heals those who are sick, strengthens those on the front lines and reassures all Americans that through, uh, through trust in him, we can overcome obstacles. May we never forget that prayer guides and empowers our nation and that all things are possible with him. In times of prosperity, strife, peace, and war, Americans lean on his infinite love, grace, and understanding. Today on this National Day of Prayer, let us come together and pray to the Almighty that through overcoming and this coronavirus pandemic, we develop even greater faith in his divine providence. I want to thank James Blend for producing today's program, Clark Hilton for engineering, Dan Rice for the use of his office. Thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. And let me encourage you to bend the knee and let's pray. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.